Here's the history of Tottenham, Conte. First team to do the double. First British team to win any European trophy. Only non-league team to win the FA Cup. Winners of the inaugural UEFA Cup. Until not too long ago, record holders of the FA Cup. A trophy, a trophy for which we went out because you decided to make heavy, heavy rotations for that game. Conte, don't talk about the history of Tottenham. The history of Tottenham is far bigger than you, you stupid little man. The history of Tottenham is Jimmy Greaves, England's greatest ever striker. Glenn Hoddle, by far the most talented footballer this country has produced. Gaza, once again, arguably one of the most talented and definitely one of the most entertaining. All players that you couldn't spit shine their boots, Antonio Conte. You are a Germanyman midfielder who got lucky to play for the one good club in Italy. We're allowed to criticise the board. We're allowed to criticise the players. We're the one that put in emotion and our money and our passion into it every week he's not he might be if he didn't have this horrible arrogance about being too good for us about him but you know what Ponte, you're not one of us you've never acted like one of us so you don't get to talk about our family that way we do but the outsiders don't get to and you are an outsider my friend you are a f***ing outsider Hello, listeners, and welcome back to another episode of the Plus Dave podcast, the Tottenham Hotspur theme show brought to you each week by a team of Spurs fans and a Leeds fan called Dave. This week, it is brought to you by two Spurs fans, two rather disillusioned and angry Spurs fans that are going to have a lot of words for you. There is no Dave today. He's taken the week off and probably a smart time to do so as well, as uh, I imagine there will be a barrage of Elio's trademark rants, not unlike the rants that we witnessed from our manager after the Southampton game. Again, we are, of course, going to discuss as well. Disappointing result, losing a 3-1 lead. But of course, all the talk is about Antonio Conte's post-match interview and a tirade against pretty much everybody. And we'll get into that. We'll talk about the implications of it. We'll analyze what he said and talk about some of the commentary around it. But it wouldn't quite be the same without the man alongside me today, which is Elio. Elio, welcome back. First of all, before we talk about Antonio Conte, how did you enjoy listening to Dave and I take your spot last week and uh, run without you. I thought you did a brilliant job. I thoroughly enjoyed every time you tried to say, let's save that for when we can talk to Elio about it. <laughs> and Dave was like, no, 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 Elio's not here. This isn't all about him. In fact, we're better without him. I, I very much enjoyed it. Well, I tried, but obviously, yeah, Dave was putting his foot down on that one. <laughs> I think justly deserved. I was the late cancellation, so no complaints from me. Fair enough. Well, I think we did okay without you, but it's good to have you back anyway. And I think it's Thank timely you. as well. I think if we ever needed a week where you would be uninterrupted interrupted and have a bigger share of the airtime it was going to be today <laughs> because uh, I imagine you've got some strong words to describe the situation but we'll get on to talk about yeah. content Let, let's talk about the game first because of course this all came in the fallout from a pretty disappointing or very disappointing end to the game let's call it what it is uh, Southampton 3 Tottenham 3 we were 3-1 up it was looking pretty rosy or at least it was looking like a comfortable win it wasn't exactly anything to write home about but mm. we'll go through it we'll talk about where it all went wrong and then obviously we'll, we'll come on to the post-match so first of all Elio anything to note in terms of the lineup or going into the game were you really pretty happy with the selection I mean obviously we've talked about the formation and that being what it is and that's never going to change do you think it was the right team I did think it was the right team I don't see what else it could have been to tell you the truth it was the team that a week previously had played well and won a match that they should win convincingly convincingly yeah. so there was absolutely no reason not to pick the same team a week break in between as well so no fatigue in theory very happy with the selection yeah and it was starting to look like the right selection and all was looking okay when we saw the first goal before we talk about the first goal obviously I think the, the first two things there were a couple of injuries weren't there on both sides it was a bit of a mad opening 10 minutes and obviously Ben Davies coming off is not ideal and Richarlison as well we saw how upset he was had his jersey pulled up over his face to hide his tears he was obviously um, very upset having just broken back into the team so just wanted a quick mention on those two and obviously I don't know what the prognosis is on their recoveries I don't know if you've seen anything on whether Davies or Richarlison are likely to come back soon haven't it's seen anything early, yet usually don't hear it. it is you usually 
you don't hear until the next week after they've had a chance to have scans and things like that. Hopefully, they'll be back for the next game because they are two players we definitely do need at the moment. Absolutely. I would agree with that. We wish them both the best. Just thought it would be worth mentioning that because that was the first real points of note. But then the first goal came in the first half and it was the first goal for Pedro Porro and a really good goal all round, I think. Lovely pass from Son. We don't often talk about his build-up play as much as perhaps we should. He created a lot of chances in the last game against Nottingham Forest and played a beautiful ball into Porro for his first Tottenham goal. A moment that I think is going to be quite easy to let fall into obscurity with everything that followed. But let's give it the credit it deserves. Lovely goal from Porro. What a way to open your account. Absolutely. It was a great hit from him. It was an absolutely splendid pass from Son Kingman as well. So yeah, like you say, what a way to open your account. And at that point, you're thinking there's reason to be optimistic today. Oh, how wrong we were. <laughs> how, how wrong we were indeed. And of course, it took all of about 40 seconds after the restart for them to put it even. And that was probably our first warning sign that things weren't going to go quite how we wanted them to. But obviously, we talked about Ben Davies coming off. Ben Davies was replaced by Perisic. There was some mm-hmm. talk just in general. We talked about it in the last episode. And it was something I was really keen to get your thoughts on, actually, because I don't think we've talked about this matter ourselves at all. And that is the idea of Perisic and Son just being incompatible. Now, obviously, Son actually had quite a good game and played that lovely ball while Perisic was on the pitch so maybe threw some water on that fire but what do you think of this whole idea that the two of them can't play together do you think there's anything in that or do you think it's just no no not in the slightest I think I mean I did hear what you and Dave discussed in the last episode and I know you touched on it and I think he made a good point that it's probably more about an unsuitable system as much as anything else rather than an unsuitable combination what I would say is that Son hasn't had the season he's had because he's had someone else on the pitch that he doesn't get on well with. Son's had the season he's had because he's had a bad season. For whatever reason, Mm -hmm. maybe Conte's overworked him. Maybe he lost a bit of confidence in the mid-season World Cup. Maybe he just is letting age catch up with him. He also had an injury. Maybe he didn't fully recover from that. Who knows? But it's not because of the presence of Perisic in the team. Or potentially it could be the fact that he's playing a bit more or you could say being told to play with his back to goal a little bit more and actually getting the ball into his feet rather than running I mean, in behind. Do you, do you think there's anything to that? Because I've seen a few people suggest that and in so doing suggest that it's Conte's instructions that just aren't working and suggesting he doesn't know the players. And, well, and no, we'll have plenty of time to talk about Conte and his tactics in due course. Don't worry, this isn't your window, but just <laughs> for Son specifically. Son has always come short and done those little one-touch layoffs to Mm. get them out to the left wing back. It's not a new aspect to his game. Maybe people are only noticing it now because of the way his goals have dried up. But I think I've said before, Son is having the same season he kind of always has, except without the goals. He's always had an inconsistent touch. We've always been frustrated with some of his passing. We've always felt that he could be a little bit heads down and take silly shots and things like that. So none of that has changed. Mm. What has changed is that when he has had chances this season, he's not taken them by and large. He's he's missed chances this season that you'd always back him to score. Let's also remember that last season, I think Son had one of the best XG versus actual goals in the league, if not the best. He definitely outscored his potential so maybe it's just that keeping up that level of overperformance is not easy and that has I guess a little bit of a hint to the tactical side with Conte similarly to with Jose that at some point teams have sussed out oh their tactic is to sit back and give the ball to either Kane or Son so yeah Kane can handle it a bit better because Kane's the better player. Yeah, that's the thing. You can keep overperforming your SG consistently year on year if your name is Harry Kane or Lionel Messi or even Erling Haaland. <laughs> Maybe Son's not quite at that level in terms of his clinical finishing. Um, I started that whole thing off by talking about the goal, actually, and I got massively sidetracked because the reason I, I wanted to take it onto the Perisic Son thing is that I think Perisic was potentially it was another goal from his side basically I think defensively there are big question marks over him obviously he scored a goal and we'll get to that lovely strike but I think Perisic is a player who's really dropped off since the restart after the World Cup it's almost happened in a flick of a switch hasn't it with Perisic so it makes me wonder if we were just overrating him a little bit at first because we finally had someone who could put a cross in Um, (laughs) maybe yeah yeah and take a corner I can't quite explain how bad he's been. I really don't know what's caused it. But yeah, all of a sudden the guy can't defend. He can't really attack either. He's just become a bit of a 
liability in the side, say the truth. And I'm not enjoying watching him at all. And yeah. if Davies is out for any period of time and it's Perisic for the rest of the season, I fear for us. Yeah, yeah. Do you blame him for that goal? Did you notice any particular issue in his positioning or would that just be too easy a target? I mean, Walcott's a fast player, but between him and Longley, that cross shouldn't be going in that easily. I mean, Theo mm-hmm. Walcott has never been a great crosser of the ball. He's never even been a good crosser of the ball. So for him to have the time and the space to pick that out is definitely damning of all the players assigned to that side of the pitch. And one yeah. of those it was Perisic. I don't think that goal happens with Ben Day. Davies on the pitch. That's what I'm trying to get at, really. I, I feel like Davies would have been a bit more defensively aware to be a few yards off someone like Walcott, knowing how quick he is, knowing how up until that point, Southampton had been trying to spring counterattacks and play in behind. And it had almost worked a couple of times as well, we should say. Yeah. So I think that was probably a little bit naive from somebody that you'd expect to be so seasoned and know what he was doing. It, it did seem like he was a little bit high up the pitch for my liking. More on Walcott in a bit, but first of all, Kane's goal. So I think I said at the time, this reminded me of the early season. This was the Kudoszewski we've been missing, isn't it? This yeah. was just kind of cutting in, playing across from deep and Kane being where he needs to be. Absolutely beautiful goal again, right? Absolutely. Kane hung in there really well. Kulisewski put an absolutely beautiful cross. They both owed us that as well because, well, Kane started the game by taking a few selfish shots, which I was berating him for, quite frankly. And then you've got Kulisewski, who recently hasn't been quite the same level of player that we've come to expect. But to tell you the truth, these are guys who should be combining like that game by game anyway. So I yeah. don't want to over-egg how good the goal was. It was a good goal, but it's also what I expect from them. Yeah, let's have more of it next week, right? You know, Without wanting to be too Roy Keane about it. <laughs> that is his job. Yeah, form is a temporary, class is permanent. I think that was an example of. Talked about Perisic, obviously, you know, he kind of made up for it and scored a very nice goal. Uh, I guess you could say it was not the cleanest hit. I don't know. I don't want to take anything away from it. I don't want to be just trying to pick holes in his good contributions just because he's not been great overall. I think it was a lovely hit. I'm not sure it quite makes up for his general dip in performance over the last few games, but we'll give it credit where it's due. I guess the next point is Walcott's goal. So I think we were talking about this in the group, weren't we? Uh, the commentator on my particular stream was saying, oh, Theo Walcott hasn't scored in 40 games for Southampton. And then I was thinking, we've all been here before. We know where this is going. Time to log hmm. on to William Hill, put a bet on. I didn't, of course, because why would I? And then, of course, he scored the goal to bring it back to 3-2. It was one of those where it was hard to really pick out somebody to blame too much for me. It was a bit of a scramble ball bouncing about I think I think Dyer maybe was a bit weak going for a header I don't know did you have anyone in particular that you wanted to scream a shout out at this point um or was this the point where you just thought the tactics were starting to expose us do you think this is where the manager to give you your first in to talk about content was this maybe where he should have actually been doing something to manage the game a bit better because it was coming wasn't it When this goal came in, it wasn't against the run of play. It was coming, and I think we were just inviting them onto us constantly. And as a team, got what we collectively deserve, unfortunately. I'm sad to say. Mm. I I just... I don't know what it is with us and backing off and allowing teams into games in this way. It's so frustrating. And it just stinks of a complete kind of lack of belief from all and sundry, to say the truth. I'm pretty fed up of it. Pretty fed up of it, to tell you the yeah. truth. It was like we were a championship side about to pull off a giant killing and we thought, oh, let's, you know, defend with our lives just to try and see this result out rather than mm. we're the favourites here, we're the team, we should go on and push on and score another couple of goals. And look, I know we were 3-1 up and everything, but yeah, I absolutely did feel quite vintage Spursy in that regard. It's not good to see. That was 3-2. And then, of course, in the dying seconds, of course, it was going to be controversy. It's it's one of those where, and we, I actually put a poll out on Twitter to see where people were directing their rage, essentially. And I said, who are you more annoyed with right now, Spurs or VAR? And 61% voted for Spurs. So obviously, there's a significant number of people that thought the decision was, was a bad one. And I think both were warranted. But obviously, it should never have been an issue. That shouldn't have been the thing that determined the game. But ultimately... A VAR decision or a refereeing decision that was confirmed by VAR was what led to the equaliser late on from the James Ward-Prowse penalty. Allegedly a foul by Saar in the box. You were not convinced, Elio, were you? It was downright ridiculous. I mean, Saar's not even looking in that direction. He's going to put his foot through a ball to clear it and the guy runs from behind him 
if there was contact, it was minimal, but I don't even think there was any contact. Yeah. Runs from behind him, jumps and falls in front of him. And a penalty yeah. is given by the ref and VAR looks at it for ages and somehow agrees with it. Now, even if contact had been made, what's yeah. our meant to do? Disappear into thin air because he doesn't even know he's ran there, does he? where his foot is. Yeah, I mean, he has no idea not, there's a guy running behind him. He's just clearing anywhere the ball. on the pitch. Exactly. So, are there now rules about how you're meant to clear a ball? I mean, that's what he did. He was clearing a ball, and a guy ran into his leg. It was, it was a mad, mad decision. And the fact that VAR upheld it just shows what a joke that. It's hard not to go down the rabbit hole of tinfoil hats when we're getting so many decisions against us from VAR recently like this that you just can't explain with any logic whatsoever. And in the meantime, the Premier League's new sport washers are competing with us for position. It's hard not to put the tinfoil Mm. hat on. I really don't want to. After one of their fans refereed our game (laughs) a few weeks ago. I'm trying um, to resist banging that drum because I know (laughs) you're like Jose right now. You're like, if I speak, I'll be in trouble. You're, You're trying to hold back i was going to ask you if you wanted me to read out your tweet immediately after the penalty decision and if you were going to stand by your not unsubtle suggestions that somebody is being paid off by saudi money but anyway we'll move swiftly on from that i mean i do stand by it (laughs) it does sound like you do you you answered my question before i could even ask it so yeah fair enough i mean either way terrible decision i'm definitely agreeing with you on that one and i think the fact is it shouldn't have come down to it it should have been home and dry second goal should have never gone in you know that shouldn't have been the talking point and it's turned out it wasn't really the talking point was it because of course uh, Conte stole the limelight back off of the performance and went on a pretty spectacular rant in the post-match which everyone's been talking about I'm not going to read out everything from it because it was a good 10 minute diatribe on pretty much everybody he could possibly blame except for himself I think there are kind of two schools of thought on it, really. I think just basing on the course of public opinion that is Twitter, I think there are people who are very much like, how dare you talk about our Spurs like this? Who are you to talk about us? This is disrespectful to everyone. He should be sacked tomorrow. Get rid of the guy. Who does he think he is? And then there's the other side of it of, you know what? Respect. He's actually telling it how it is. He's saying what we're all thinking. He's calling out the board. It's about time a manager stepped up and was brave enough to do this. I buy into both of those schools of thoughts, but I think I'm much more in the former, and I imagine you are too. Yeah, I am. I think that... Well, no, first let's get to the comments about the boards. So if you read the full quotes, it's actually not as daring towards the boards as the excerpts that were being tweeted by some journalists, but... No. I mean, I've got a quote here, if this helps. Uh, I mean, yeah. uh, this, this, this is what you're referring to. It, Conte said, they're used to it here. Don't play for something important. They don't want to play under pressure. They don't want to play under stress. Tottenham's story is this. 20 years, there is the owner and they never won something. Why? I mean, that, that sounds like a pretty clear dig at, at Levy, right? I think so. He, um, apparently, uh, sorry to jump in, according to um, Sammy Mockbell from the Daily Mail, apparently on Saturday night after this press conference, Conte explained to the board that his comments were only aimed at the players and not the hierarchy, which Levy has apparently accepted as a version of events. I don't know what to believe with that, but for what it's worth, that's what's been reported. Um, I just... But that doesn't sound like that to me. It doesn't sound like that to me in the slightest. And... I feel like when you look at the squad of players he does have to have a dig at the boards, basically just to deflect from his own failings, Yeah, is... Listen, I'm not saying what he said was wrong, but say it from a position of strength. Say it's yeah. when you've actually earned the right to say it. Don't say it's when you're struggling to get a tune out of what is a very expensively assembled, talented group of players. Mm. And... And he's just blaming everyone by himself, as you said. The worst part yeah. is that he's doing it off the back of all this sort of uncertainty around his contract situation. He's doing it off the back of basically constantly reminding us how grateful we should be to have him as our manager. Oh, great Antonio. Praise the Antonio. We mm. are not worthy. And he's doing that off the back of some really bad results in the space of a month. In the last month, all right, month and a few days, five weeks, let's say, we've got one point from the following away fixtures against relegation threat teams Leicester Wolves and yesterday Southampton one yeah. point from those three fixtures throwing us not to mention Sheffield United not to mention Sheffield United but I'm going to get to that throw in Aston Villa yeah. at home as well which you'd expect to be a dead rubber also within that time frame roughly and you're talking about in very recent history screwing up what should have been 
nine to 12 points. Yeah. Eight out of push, but definitely yeah. not one from those four fixtures. And all he's yeah. doing is deflecting from himself. Are we really not good enough in a run of matches where we did manage to beat Chelsea and Manchester City? The games Conte wasn't there for. Are we really not good enough? And West Ham, of course. Are we mm-hmm. really not good enough to beat those four teams? Or is he just not getting the best out of his squads of players? Are we really yeah. only above Newcastle and Brighton because we've played more games? Is that really the only thing that makes us better than them and actually in the pecking order we should be beneath them? Or is mm. he not getting a tune out of his team and out of his squad? And the way he had to go at the players, the same players who performed their best performances of the season against Chelsea, Manchester City and yep. West Ham. It's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. It is absolutely embarrassing. It's, yeah. I mean, what's your job, Conte? You're paid yeah. 15 million a year. You're the best paid manager in the country, I he believe. He even said this in his rants. He was going on about how much money he gets paid. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> He's helping himself, is he? No your job, your job is to get a tune out of 45 million pound Pedro Porro, 40 million pound Dejan mm. Kulisewski, 45 million pounds Romero, France international goalkeeper and World Cup yeah. winning captain Hugo Lloris. Last season's golden boot winner, Hyunmin Son, your yep. mate from Inter Milan that we signed because you specifically requested him, Perisic. <laughs> why are you not getting yeah. a tune out of these guys? Bissouma, why haven't you got a tune out of Bissouma, who was one of the top five midfielders in the league last season? Mm. So I just don't buy this deflection of blame. It's just typical bad yeah. workman blaming his tools. And I'm fed up of it. And I'm fed up of being treated like we should be grateful to have him. Yeah. You know what? We're allowed to criticize the board. We're allowed to criticize the players. We're the one that put emotion and our money and our passion into it every week. He's not. He might be if he didn't have yeah. this horrible arrogance about being too good for us about him. But you know yeah. what, Conte, you're not one of us. You've never acted like one of us. So you don't get to talk about our family that way. We do. Exactly. But not, outsiders don't get to. And you are an outsider, my friend. You are a big fucking outsider. Exactly. It's like when someone's bullying your little brother and you're like, no one talks about my brother that way. Only I get to bully him. You can't do it. You exactly. Know? And, the comments, and the comments about this is the history of Tottenham or whatever oh. the f- Charlton said, yeah. here's the history of Tottenham, Conte. First team to do the double. Mm. First British team to win any European trophy. First non-league team to win the FA Cup. First only, no. Only yeah, non-league only, team. Uh, non-league team to win the FA Cup. Winners of the inaugural UEFA Cup. Mm-hmm. Until not too long ago, record holders of the FA Cup, a trophy, a trophy for which we went out because you decided to make heavy, heavy rotations for that game. A game yeah. against Sheffield United, who are now going to be in the FA Cup semi-final, having beaten Blackburn today. Yeah. So, Conte, don't talk about the history of Tottenham. The history of Tottenham is far bigger than you, you stupid little man. The history of Tottenham is Jimmy Greaves, England's greatest ever striker. Glenn Hoddle, by far the most talented footballer this country has produced. Gaza, once again, arguably one of the most talented and definitely one of the most entertaining. All players that you couldn't spit shine their boots, Antonio Conte. You are a Germanyman midfielder who got lucky to play for the one good club in Italy. Amen, Elio. Very well said. I agree with every word. Uh, Seb Stafford-Bloor from the TIFO podcast tweeted, Conte should go today, really. His points aren't without merit, but his performance doesn't really entitle him to make them, which I think is a much more reserved way of essentially saying what you were saying. <laughs> you know, who, who are you to make these comments? But it's, it's strange because it's, it's like he doesn't know that we've spent most of the last decade finishing fourth. He's talking like, do you remember we used to say these things about Harry Redknapp? There was a time where Harry Redknapp was starting to piss a few of us off by saying, Yeah, when he said, don't remember where they came from. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And he kind of had a point. And it was annoying, even though he actually did take us up to a new level where we hadn't really Mm. been and we were in the Champions League. And he almost had a right to say it. Whereas what has Conte done to earn the right to start mouthing off about how lucky we should be to have him and be in fourth? Okay, credit where it's due. He did very well to get us into fourth, given where we were when we took over last season. Yeah. If that's what he was saying in isolation, fine. But he's not saying that. He's talking as if we're some little mid-table team with no history, jokes aside about trophies and all of that. It's like he didn't even do his homework when he took over this job and doesn't know just because we're not AC Milan or Real Madrid, you know, or Juventus, that we're nobodies with no history that should be grateful to just be even talked about in terms of the Champions League. As far as I'm concerned, he can piss off back to Turin and have a few more dodgy title wins. (laughs) 
and take Paratici with him, right? Yeah. It's a lot easier to win multiple trophies when you're constantly bribing the refs. <laughs> exactly. This made me laugh. There's a tweet from Martin Cloak. He said, Conte couldn't be more clearly begging for the sack if he went on top of the South Stand and took a dump on the cockerel. <laughs> That is that what this is? That. Is he? Is he just? Has he had nothing? Because I don't really see a way back from this. I, I mean, I want to Does say he just yes, want to get but sacked? but then I just wonder about the logic of it, given that he's only got two months and ten yeah. games to endure this miserable three hundred grand a week he's being paid to do a job <laughs> most of us would do for free. Yeah, uh, I just don't see the logic in it because all he's doing is tarnishing himself and in, in the process and. Yes, there is merit to a lot of what he said, but by God, you haven't mm. earned the right to say that. Pochettino made similar complaints, not as ferociously, but he made similar complaints towards the end of his tenure. Pochettino yeah. had well, a lot of credit comments. in the bank. The nice exactly. house with no furniture, yeah. Exactly, but he had a lot of credit in the bank. Yeah, absolutely. This is Conte got us fourth. Just like Redknapp. Just like Redknapp. Conte got us fourth when we'd been used to getting fourth for the best part of the last decade. Conte presided over pre-season and every player has come back, bar Harry Kane, looking worse than they did last season. This is what Conte management is, making players worse. He inherits a good bunch and they do well at first. And then by the time he's properly got his claws into them, they start deteriorating. It happens at Inter. It happens at, uh, well, it didn't actually, they won the league, but um, <laughs> it, it definitely happened at Chelsea in the second yeah. season as well. Yeah. He's, we, we knew this though. We knew this going in. We knew that there was a risk of something along these lines. I think we just told ourselves that we'd win something before it got to this or at least come closer. Well, you, know? you know what? We told ourselves the same thing lies with Mourinho and that we was did. a big fat mistake too so this is where I do blame the board I'm not blaming the board for the squad building because you know what they're spending no, the money they they're are easily spending the money I'm blaming the board for constantly hiring the wrong kind of manager since Pochettino got the sack how can they talk yeah. about Tottenham DNA and hire people like Nuno Espirito Santo and Antonio yeah. Conte when they've just had the lesson told to them clearly by Mourinho? The worst thing is the way he shifted the blame onto yeah. the players because it was never the case. Do you remember when we had the episode in Kennington Film Studios after the Leeds game? We all got yeah, together, yeah. went to the fancy studio and it was it happened to be the game where Bielsa was his, it was his last game in charge and Conte was still quite new then and he'd made a few comments in recent weeks and we were talking about it and we we were, we were almost commending him. He was ranting and raving to the press, but all of us, including Dave, were commending him for actually taking ownership of it. And he was mm. saying, you know, maybe I'm not good enough for this job and all this. And in hindsight, I feel like he was maybe just being a drama queen and throwing his toys out the pram. But we were quite happy that unlike Mourinho, famously, he wasn't throwing his players under the bus. And now he's just exactly like Mourinho, but worse, maybe, maybe worse. I'd say worse because Mourinho didn't get the players that Conte's got. Yeah, and Mourinho got to a cup final. He didn't get to play it, but he got <laughs> yeah. to a cup final. That's so, yeah, more on that. There are There is merit to what Conte says in terms of yeah. the club having a malaise, which does seem to mm. have a very strong correlation with Enix's presence at the club. But yeah. Enix's biggest mistake is actually in the hiring of people like Conte. If he does go down swinging, though, I mean, if this is his final hurrah and he gets sat in the coming days, which I think we all accept is likely, or at least it probably should happen, and if it doesn't, it will be soon. Do you think his comments will affect any change? Or do you think they'll just fall away and make a few very staunch anti-Enic Spurs fans happy that he's called out the board, but then ultimately nothing will change and we'll be back to square one? Or do you see anybody of any importance taking note of what he said now that it's out there in the public eye? I don't, I don't see the board batting an eyelid. No. I think the board may make a better managerial choice next time. We can only hope. But, but not because of this. You can't expect the board to have repeated what they have repeated constantly for 20 years and then suddenly yeah. change its spots. They're just not going to. Mm. And I don't like it, but I also can't do anything about it. Talk to me about Tottenham DNA, Leo. Let's take it right back to that address of the famous Tottenham DNA speech. I know you roll your eyes as much as I do when you hear it, but we all know what it was meant to mean. Basically, don't hire managers that will park the bus. <laughs> don't hire tactical dinosaurs that just want to get a 1-0 win from a set piece and then sit back. We, we're talking about 
attacking, free-flowing, exciting football, to dare is to do and all that. That was the promise, which was quite mm. emphatically and spectacularly not delivered. How can that be delivered? And is there a, an answer that is different to just bring back Poch? Because I know I know you're a fan of that idea, or at least you have been, and we all like the idea, but obviously there are alternatives. Is there any manager out there that you think is a reasonable target? Assuming that Conte's days are numbered now, do you think that there is a manager out there that you would really like to see? I know Pochettino is one of them, but who else do you think could be the right appointment? I wouldn't be against giving Vincent Kompany a crack in the Premier League next season. Interesting. I mean, he's going to get promoted with Burnley and get that crack anyway, but I'm sure he'd rather manage yeah. Tottenham than Burnley. So I wouldn't be against yeah. that. And if anyone I can get be- us playing a better brand of football, right? He's turned Burnley into, you know, mini Man City. He's actually playing yeah. good passing football with Burnley of all teams. So, yeah. Uh, I wouldn't sniff at Deserby if there was any chance whatsoever, but... Uh, yeah it's difficult to get nice things out of Brighton. The thing that worries me about Deserby is if he joins us this soon into his Brighton tenure with everything going well, what's to say Real Madrid aren't going to come and take him off us in six months because it doesn't exactly show loyalty, does it? I mean, I'd be very excited and I think on paper he's an excellent manager for us. I love the way his teams play, but it does feel a little bit soon to be making Um, that jump. I mean, Pochettino was at Southampton 18 months, I think, before we, we took him. All right, this is even yeah, shorter. It's a bit but longer. Mm. There's a difference between Brighton to Spurs and Spurs to those mega clubs. And that difference yeah. is that going to Spurs, he'll at least be getting to manage someone like Harry Kane. He will be getting to play in the Champions League, or, well, maybe not next season, oh, but. Who uh, knows? <laughs> That's very bold of you, assuming we'll have both Harry Kane and Champions League football in the near future, Elio, but I like well, it. Well, I'm an optimist. Um, but someone like Zerbi would tick everybody. I mean, who else is there? Luis Enrique. Know, don't want him. I think he's an international manager, really. Yeah. I think Who got Messi, Neymar and Suarez and anyone would have yeah, exactly. won everything I mean, with them y- three. Yeah. You you could have won everything with that front three. So <laughs> Thanks, man. So, <laughs> so I, I, I could be I, the next Will still. He scares me. Um, <laughs> I have a feeling Gautier may be available this summer. Okay. And he's not a bad manager at all. He's him discussed as a potential option. Um, you I heard think... Dave and I go through the main favourites, didn't you? So obviously yeah, a few yeah. of them have, have come up. Who else is being talked about? There's the guy at Celtic, Postacoglu, I think his name is, who apparently is doing quite well. Let's have a look. Next Tottenham manager. <laughs> Next Tottenham manager. I don't just, just while, while I'm looking this up, because Dave shot this down very quickly. What do you say is the idea, if not long term, but at least maybe to the end of the season? What do you see to the idea of Ryan Mason taking over, seeing what he can do with the rest of the season? Do you not buy into that? Do you not like that idea? I mean, he in his short tenure in charge, he played far better football than we saw before or since him. Isn't it a bit of a win-win though? Just like get Conte out of here now, start focusing on finding his replacement. And if Mason blows everyone out of the water and finishes the season on a high, maybe give him a shot. Because it's not like he's a nobody. I mean, he's been in the club for a long time. He knows the players. He obviously has been a coach with the team for a long time. He must have a certain degree of respect. I did enjoy the look of horror on his face when Sanchez was yeah. coming on. As we that were alone chasing that the game credit against for Milan. Me. Yeah, that, that makes me think that he must he must see what we're seeing and, and he'd take a different approach. Um, I, other... I, I like Mason. I think he's intelligent as well. But I also, I don't know, I almost like him too much to wish the Spurs job upon yeah. him. Yeah, it's a bit like the whole Pochettino thing, isn't it? Like Dave said last week, do we want to spoil his legacy? I know it wasn't exactly fairy tale work towards the end and he went for a reason, but I think he's left with his legacy very much intact. This but it could... wouldn't spoil his legacy because if he came back and it didn't work, people would just blame the board anyway. True, true. I always think legends returning to a club, whether they're ex-players or managers, I I don't think it really does that much. Because you, I mean, look at so many examples. I mean, Kenny Dalglish, uh, Alan Shearer at Newcastle, loads of other examples like that, who have gone back to their, you know, clubs where they're legends and they're still very much legends. I don't think you can really mess it up that badly. You know what I want? And I don't think it's much to ask. I want to see good football. Mm -hmm. I want to see attacking football. And I want to see a club managed by someone who is grateful to be Spurs manager. Someone who knows that Spurs are a huge club. Someone who knows that Spurs have one of the most romantic stories in all English football and maybe even world football. So with that in mind, would it make sense to have somebody who is an ex-player? Because obviously there are a couple of managers out there making waves who are ex-players. 
that we've talked about in the past. I know Scott Parker has not exactly had a brilliant uh, recent I wouldn't time go of for things. Scott Parker. I wouldn't go Michael for Scott Carrick, Parker. I know we talked about before. I don't know a huge amount Car- about his style Carrick of football. Carrick intrigues me. I'm not sure like if he's ready for it, but he's doing a good job with Middlesbrough, isn't he? So that does intrigue me. I, I, I think the key thing is somebody for whom Spurs is a step up in terms of the stature of the club. Because I think, you know, some of these names we're talking about, we've seen obviously Mourinho and, and Conte obviously came in thinking, you know, I've managed these big European giants and won all these trophies. So you, you're lucky to have me. I think mm. if we avoid someone who is coming from one of these big giants or someone with a really decorated CV, which is obviously the mistake we've been making, perhaps we will get that kind of commitment and that kind of attitude. You know, I'm thinking, all right, Thomas Tuchel, let's ignore the whole ex-Chelsea thing again. And obviously, I know we don't want to keep on hiring ex-Chelsea managers. Very successful, won the Champions League, managed Chelsea. Uh, you know, maybe it's more of the same, but there's a risk there, isn't there, that you think he could come in and be like, I'm doing you a favour because I'm a Champions League winning manager. Same with Luis Enrique from Barcelona. And it, I mean, it, with two it makes Cole, me think maybe someone on the right trajectory, someone on the way up, like a Vincent Company or Michael Carrick, like Pochettino was when we hired him, or Deserby. You know, Deserby's done very well, but he's still, he hasn't had that big top club move yet or Champions mm. League club. I don't want to put us in that bracket. We're not Real Madrid and Juventus AC Milan, but you know what I mean? That That's someone who for them, we would be the biggest club that they've managed and therefore, or someone who has a personal tie to us, obviously, you know, that would make them respect us and want to manage mm. us. I think that's the way to go personally. I agree. I agree. Up and coming, understands the value of Spurs as a club and wants to have a genuine challenge in his career as well doesn't want to just be handed everything on a plate yeah. the way people like Mourinho and Conte do I mean you know what managers like Mourinho and Conte are mm-hmm. they're fucking lazy <laughs> they don't actually want to improve players or coach players they just want ready made 50 million players plus in every position <laughs> come in with another trophy I add mean, it to their CV and then great that makes you a great manager I've got, I've got more respect for someone like, I'll tell you what, I've got more respect for Mikel Arteta, who I know has been given some expensive new toys, but he's mm-hmm. ground through, what, four seasons now at Arsenal to get them yeah. from being dross, from being a Europa or Europa Conference League club, to yeah, a a now, joke, yeah. now winning the league this season. Mm. That makes this whole thing worse, though, doesn't it? Because... We're witnessing our biggest rivals. And I know we can say we don't care what they're doing down the road and we're focused on us, but there's there's always going to be an element of it. And we're seeing our biggest rivals do exactly what we should have been doing. Yeah. You know, this is this is Pochettino if he'd been backed or given a bit more time. Or maybe not Pochettino, maybe yeah, maybe that was the right decision. But this is the appointment or the type of appointment we should have made. And again, it's someone with a connection to the club that obviously values how lucky he is to be in his position because he played for the team and he is a young up-and-coming manager with something to prove. I think the problem with these Mourinho's and Conte's is that they must have lost a degree of the hunger. You you might say, okay, they're winners, they're proven serial winners, but maybe that's the problem because they've won everything already. They've got nothing to prove. They've got loads of money. They've already ticked the Mm -hmm. box. Even if it fails, their CV is still intact. And they've hit the the heights and they're old and maybe they just want to cash in for as long as possible and it's just like you know <laughs> i don't know i'm i'm speculating here but it, it does make sense doesn't it do you think there's an element of that or am i just being really cynical with this whole thing i mean no. is guardiola ever going to get to a point where if he just it's says a case i of losing care. hunger then well i know why they're doing it they're doing it because they're paid very very well to do it <laughs> yeah. but if it's a case of losing hunger, then shame on them. These aren't old men. These are men in sort of their no. late 40s and early 50s who have been in the game their entire careers and are, live a blessed existence. So if it's a case of losing mm. hunger. But then again, let's actually look at whether they even ever had that hunger. So let's take Pep Guardiola first. Yeah. Takes over a team that has, oh, I know he got rid of him straight away, but Ronaldinho, Lionel Messi, Deco, Eto, Thierry Henry. When has Pet actually, all right, he did actually take a great group of players and actually managed to improve them to be even better. He did. But mm. still, I think he lived a fairly blessed existence. He did, it's not, it's not the same as what Pochettino did with us. What Pochettino did with us is far more impressive than what Pep yeah, did with maybe. Barcelona. Let's have a look at Conte, mm. Juventus, Cali. That was his first club though, was that? It wasn't his first was club, no, but... manager of Pisa or someone? He was he, he managed somebody in Italy at a lower level and did okay. Okay, but then he just got given the... Yeah, because he was a club legend. To, 
Exactly. And he got the Lampard um, treatment, essentially. That, that He did, except at a time when Juventus were the only particularly top club in, yeah. in Italy, when it's Italian yeah. football was At that was point, it was like Bayern Munich or PSG, decline. wasn't it? Exactly. It was so just a one-horse race. Antonio Conte, yeah, he, he did manage. So he managed Arezzo, Bari, Atalanta, and Siena before Juventus. So, and none mm. of them for any great length of time either. So he was, he was with Siena for a season, Atalanta for a season, Bari for two seasons, and That's right, yeah. Arezzo for a year. Like, it's not exactly a sparkling, mm. glittering CV pre Juventus. Then the, yeah. the next one. Um, well, Chelsea weren't in amazing shape when he went there. Sorry if I was jumping ahead. I don't know if there was someone in between. Okay, Chelsea but had you know just how, finished seventh or something, hadn't they? Do you know how much money they gave him to spend there? <laughs> I do. I'm well aware. I yes, mean, it is well documented. How wasn't much? he welcomed through the doors by N'Golo Kante? Yeah. Yeah. Great. So The bassoon so, yeah. of his day. Right. <laughs> I <laughs> mean, it's just absolutely galling. And Mourinho... Mm. All right, what he did in winning two European oh, titles Porto. consecutively, UEFA Cup and Champions League with Porto was phenomenal, but yeah. it's a cup competition. In terms of the league, he had the best club in one of the worst leagues in Europe. Mm. I actually think Mourinho deserves a lot of his credit, personally. I just think that everything great that he did was so long ago that he's passed his, his peak and he's probably not on the cutting edge of tactical innovation where he used to be. Potentially he fair, kind of revolutionized still- the Premier League when he came in with his formation, with his tactics, with the whole kind of inside forwards thing and the three midfield. You know, that was that was game changing. Um, whereas I don't think he's ever changed since then. That's just been his way of playing. Okay, that's yeah. fair. Far be it from me to claim to be he an He also still on, on got greeted with Drogba, with Essien, <laughs> with, with uh, yeah. up and coming I mean, Frank. The, the Porto Lampard thing, you Peter can't take Chuck. that away from him. The Porto thing was no. amazing. Fine, Porto, you know. Winning the Champions okay. League with Porto was sensational. Yeah. Um, that's a winning, winning the Portuguese League with Porto is what you'd expect any yeah. fool to be able to do. So, yeah. these guys are all lazy. They just want money, money, money. They just want to spend, spend, spend their way out of problems. None of them actually wants to improve a footballer. Name one player that you actually think has improved as a footballer under Antonio Conte since he's been at the club. I'm trying to think because I feel like there must be one. Maybe Hoiberg? I don't know. It's okay. not obvious. It's definitely not obvious. Maybe Hoiberg. I want to say Davies, but I think that's just more... I think Davies is doing what Davies played. has always done. Yeah, he just wasn't playing and before. Especially really. off the back of pre-season. Here's some mm. players who are tangibly worse than they were last season. Yeah. Eric Dyer. Christian yep. Romero, mm. Hugo Lloris, Son, Son, Dejan Kulusevski. Yeah. That's five already. Even bloody Matt Doherty until we sold him was having a worse <laughs> season than he did last season. Yeah. You could say Kane's improved, but I don't count that. Kane hasn't Kane just, improved. Kane just Kane's fluctuates just between having very good seasons and brilliant seasons. And I don't think the manager has that much to do with it. The manager has overseen an alarming decline in a very short space of time. Yeah. With a better squad. So what happens now? Well, if it was... What do you think will happen? I, I, I know think, what you want to happen. I, I know you want to see him gone immediately. I think he will remain until the end of the season. He will bitch and moan until the end of the season. And we may get lucky and get fourth. I think we'll get... Oh, I think we'll end up in sixth, personally. But... Yeah then he'll be shown the door and all the speculation begins again. And hopefully they're already talking to whoever our next manager is going to be from now. That's what I oh, think. There's no will way happen. they're not. They're, they must be talking to multiple candidates. And you remember our last managerial time. search when, well, that's, when Mourinho that's why got- I'm, I'm hoping that they've learned their lesson from that. And now we've actually got a contingency back, especially with the fact that he had you're a relatively hoping, short you're contract. Ho- you're hoping they've learned their lesson. We're talking about the same boards that promised us our Tottenham DNA before hiring Nuno Espirito Santo and then Antonio Conte. I don't know what drives them. I I do, it's money. But I I feel like people are still going to keep coming to the club and we're going to keep doing okay. Surely it's in the interest of the board to hire somebody who's going to be popular. I mean, with the confidence in the board at the moment, if Levy and Lewis and Enoch want to stay where they are for the foreseeable future, let's ignore any potential sales and all these rumours. Surely... Maybe they just don't care, but surely they will want to buy a bit of free, easy PR and cheer up a few of the sad faces and bring back Posh or just hiring somebody young and hungry and upcoming that everyone's going to get excited about, like Deserby, is just going to, even if it's just a plaster over the wound temporarily, surely that's in their interest to do something like that, right? 
I mean, you'd or do you think, think so, I'm but flattering? Do you think I'm, I'm exaggerating how much they care about what the average fan thinks? I think you are. Mm. We're still going to keep going to the games. Still going to keep buying, paying all the money for Sky Sports. We're still going to be buying the tops every year. Don't think that's going to change, is it? There's literally no reason for them to do anything other than wait for someone to make a bid they're happy with. We're a profitable football club. Football clubs are not meant to be profitable, but we are a profitable football club. Yeah. Yeah, we actually are. Which, ironically, we owe to them. <laughs> well done. <laughs> what a trophy. Yeah, it's, it's, it's difficult, isn't it? It's a very strange time to be a Spurs fan. There's a tinge of excitement in knowing that there's about to be a big change. You know, I think it, it's horrible and there's a nasty taste at the moment because everything's all going south and we're not getting results and the manager's bitching and we're not playing well and the season's kind of over. We can take our small victories here and there, enjoy Poro's goal. You know, we can we can cheer when we when we can cheer, but I think it's very hard to find positives until you think maybe, maybe, just maybe this is the start of a revolution. Maybe finally the penny will have dropped and we will hire, whether it's because that's the explicit tension or it just happens that way, a manager that is the next Pochettino or, you know, Pochettino. And well, things will yeah, turn around. Fine. Maybe, you know, even if it's just a little bit of new manager bounce. <laughs> but you'd, I take it you'd rather see a new manager come in now. Or I mean, I know it's hard to know because obviously you don't, want, you don't want somebody hired in a hurry. You want them to give it the requisite time. But would you rather Mason or, well, I guess it would be I'd Mason, takes over till the someone... end of the season and then someone comes in in the summer? I'd rather someone came in now and yeah. I'd rather someone had the rest of the season to assess what he has at his disposal. Yeah, and I would say so. go into the summer making wholesale changes. Do you know the worst part about all this? There's a very real chance that the likes of Harry Winks and Tongi and Dombele and Lo Celso yeah. are going to get a new lease of life now. The one good thing Conte did was force the board to get rid by hook or by crook. I think I've seen a lot of people sort of fantasizing about how Spurs could look next season under Pochettino or Luis Enrique or a kind of, you know, possession-based manager. Mm. And they do their 11s and you see the team sheets. And a lot of people are putting Winks and Ndombele and Los Celso in. And, you know, I mean, mm. ultimately, Poch was... Poch signed Ndombele, didn't he? He wanted him. He saw something in him. Well, I say he signed him. Who knows how much this he is, is actually what happens involved. But- when you... This is what happens when you give a manager what he asks for in the transfer window. You end up with Tongin, Dombele, and even Perisic. Both players who have all the energy of 90-year-old yeah. men. Well, Elio, I think depending on what happens with Perisic's legal situation, I think they might need a new director of football, sporting director soon. So I think you should put your name forward. I think you should be in charge of, of signings. Who would you sign? Mm-hmm. Who would you sign this window? I'm just, I'm really clutching your straws for content here. We've, we've nearly made an hour. We can wrap this up soon. But whoever comes in, who do you want to see signed? Or the main positions? Defender? Attacking we midfielder? We absolutely need a centre-back. Yep. Maybe more. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, who knows what the new manager is going to play next season four at the back or three at the back. So Either way, we need a centre-back. Let's say we need one to go with Romero. I've calmed down and I'm able to give Romero another chance now, yeah, mainly yeah. because I'm just You're terrified. You're ready to ship him off. Now. We've got some very exciting talent on both flanks. Um, we've got Spence, Porro, and we've got, uh, and yes, I'm going to say it, Emerson on the right. Yeah, yeah. Three. And Udogi as well, who could on be the very left, good. We've got Let's Udogi, give him a chance. Ben Davies. Well, Ben Davies. Well, yeah. no, Ben Davies. I, let's, I like yeah, let's ben. give him credit. He's been very good recently. I hope he's not yeah. In terms of midfielders, I'm very happy with the collection of Benton, Corbisuma, Hoybia, Skip, yeah. and Saar. I, I I'm think very happy to never see Winks and Dombele and Ola Celso again. Absolutely, but I think play two of those with a number 10, whether yeah. it's on, in a 4-2-3-1 or a 4-3-3, and you've got a very good midfield. Do I need to say Madison? Is it too I mean, you know, I, you know I'd love Madison. And then... On the flanks again, Kulisevsky, Hill, who's just got back into the Spain squad. He's been playing so well. He? Yeah, Kulisevsky is going to have competition from him next season, hopefully. Good. Um, I like competition. Son and Richarlison on the other side. I don't think we'll make Dan Juma permanent, given that we've got no, no. reason to, because Conte doesn't play club sidings. Um, mm. uh, I imagine we will sign another winger, though, because Lucas Moura is finishing his contract, isn't he? He's off he is, the but if we've got Not Son that he was Richard- featuring much, but... If we've got Son, Richarlison, Gill, and yeah. Kulisevsky, do we need another one? I'd, I'd say at least one more. Maybe one more on the premise that then that frees up Richarlison mm. to go central when Kane isn't available. That's that's the other thing we're ignoring. There is a chance we have to accept that 
Kane leaves this summer and then everything changes because we'll probably get a half decent transfer fee for him, you'd imagine. It's not going to be world record, but it'll be enough mm. to buy a couple of decent players. And obviously we'll have to prioritize that center forward. If Kane did leave, by the way, would you be happy with Richarlison as our main center forward option? Or do you think that's when we go into the market and look at a Victor Ossiman or someone big to come in and fill Kane's boots? Not that we could necessarily get Ossiman. I'm just saying, is that when we prioritize center forward? Yeah, that is when we prioritize center forward. Yeah. I would, even if it's every penny of the Kane money, if we lose yeah. Kane, then I'd go all out for even Tony. Assuming he's not in prison or something. What is his situation? He's not, um, gonna, he's not actually going to go to jail, is he? He's just going to get a ban from football. He'd just get a ban from football. But yeah. the fact that he's just been called up to the England squads suggests yeah, to me point. that yeah. things are going in the right direction for him with yeah. that investigation. Yeah, if we lose Kane, then we're going to lose Kane for less than he's worth because he's 30 and has a year left on his contract. Yeah, so if course. we do lose Kane, then every last penny at even Tony. Yeah, there's, there's no probably one not as sexy as some other options, but he is the closest thing to Kane, there, I would say. There is no one better to replace Kane in world football than even Tony. Let's go to the wow. premise that there isn't actually a striker as good as Harry Kane in world, world football yeah. that we could get because we're not going to get Holland and we're not going to get Lewandowski. Yeah. Then, then what you actually want to replace Kane with is the best player you possibly can who can do what Kane does. That is even Tony. Yeah. And it doesn't hurt that he's Premier League proven English, homegrown, the rest of it. Yeah, it's all bonus. But yeah. Great in the air, plays for fun. back to goal, scores goals yeah. for fun, left foot, right foot, head. Penalties. Great penalty taker. Yeah. Free kicks as well. Free kicks. Um, Free kicks. I'm getting excited Tony. About, about Tony at Spurs next season now, Leo. I'm excited to do this team. Anyway, let's see what happens. We're, we're doing that thing that is so often driven by me, I must admit, where we start speculating about nonsense that might or might not ever happen. Yeah, Harry but... Kane's going to go for cut price and we'll get Fraser Campbell back on loan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we haven't talked about the bad way this could go. Danny Ings finally getting his big move to Spurs and being our hope at centre forward. Eh, you know what? We could do worse. Anyway, moving on. I think we've done enough for us today. I think draw a line under this particular rant because who knows? We're probably going to get other chances. I mean, if Conte is going to stay to the end of the season, then I'm sure there will be more press conferences and more histrionics. So we'll probably have more things to unpack and Dave can help us do it. But if you are still listening, please take this opportunity to follow us on Twitter at Plus Dave Podcast. Uh, follow me at Plus Dave Dags. Follow Elio at Elio underscore P underscore THFC. And you know what? You might as well follow Dave too at Fantasy Dave. Elio, I cut you off there. You were about to say something. Only that we are going to lose to Everton if Conte is in the dugout. I think I can definitely see that happening. I think we we agreed before that we weren't going to get into discussing the Everton game, partly because it's hard to care about a game that's two weeks away. But also, I think we just had too much to talk about with the current goings on with our manager and his comments. I'm not going to be around for recording after that one. I'm going to be on a little trip that week. So you're going you to go. have to... I'm giving you two weeks notice to find a sub for me this time as opposed to the <laughs> that's, two that's hours I gave you the other day. You don't often do that. Wow, so it could be, what, three weeks until we have another episode with Elio in it. The listener's going to miss you. Well, you know what? Like Antonio Conte, they're just lucky to have me. <laughs> you know what? That is a perfect place to wrap this up. So uh, I'm not going to say anything more than that. Brilliant. Elio, thanks for joining me again. And hopefully the next episode's a bit cheerier. Until then, everyone, stay classy, Spurs fans, and we'll see you next week. No, we'll see you in about three weeks. Take care. Bye. Bye.